You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Uh, yeah, what a great show we've had so far this morning, Jordan. It, it is all good. Um, so coming up, we now have Mary Hanbury, the Director of Catechesis from the Diocese of Fargo, um, with us here, um, joining us to shed greater light on RCIA. Mary, good morning. Good morning. What a beautiful morning we have. A little, little hot here. I don't know what sure. it's like there. Um, sure. We'll About find out. <laughs> yeah, we've been joking that... Um, we're in a dungeon office in the basement of the cathedral, oh. so we've, the only outside time we've gotten is walking into the building today. Yeah. But yeah. it's good. It's yeah. good. It's Yeah, it's all very good. So, Mary, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. So I'm the director of catechesis for the Diocese of Fargo, and I'm going on 20 years there in February. Oh, beautiful. Wow. Yes. So, and, uh, so catechesis, I, I usually work with, well, I do work with, um, that K through 12 catechesis in our parishes, adult catechesis, special needs. Before I, I took this job, I was a um, learning disabilities teacher in in Milwaukee, and so I have a background in education. So it kind of fits in my role too. And then um, RCIA is actually under my job at the diocese as well. And then at my parish, which is the cathedral here in Fargo, um, Brad Gray and I, uh, my coworker have been working there with the RCI program for going on 18 years there as well. Oh, wow. oh great. Well, it sounds, uh, yeah, very uh, great how you have your hand in the diocesan level and as well as in the parish. So that has to help with, um, with the visioning of, of what each, each side of things does. Oh, it does because you get to work with the people. And that's, uh-huh. you know, yeah. you kind of miss that when you're in the offices so much and just Truly. working with priests mm-hmm. or directors. Like, oh, I, I want to work with people. Yeah. Yes. So, it's, it's the ministry part that right. you sometimes miss. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what RCIA stands for? Sure. Um, if those, for those who aren't familiar with, you know, the acronym that we just throw around yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it is thrown around a lot. It yeah. stands for the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. And so here's a little tidbit for you that most mm-hmm. people might not know that it will soon be changing to the OCIA. So right Ooh. now, um, the, actually, the U.S. bishops last year just approved the new translation of the rights book which they have been doing for the rite of baptism and for the rite of um, confirmation. It's all now changed to the order of baptism, the order of confirmation. Well, soon uh, it will be the order of Christian initiation for adults. And that's just going back to the true Latin term instead of rite, it actually is order. Uh, The U.S. bishops approved it last year, and now it's at the Vatican waiting for their stamp of approval. So That is good to know. Yeah, Yeah. good to know. It'll be hard for some of us who've said RCIA. They aren't typos. No, (laughs) we're not misspeaking. The Lord is with you and with your spirit. (laughs) Exactly. It'll take a while for us to catch on to this one. It'll be be an awkward phase. It will be, yeah. And I don't know if it's going to be implemented next year or the year after. I'm not sure the timeline. (laughs) One never knows with these things. But interestingly enough, what people really don't know is that RCI is primarily for those who are not baptized. Okay. So yeah. all that, all the rites and everything are, are kind of centered around those who are not baptized and being coming into the church, mm-hmm. being baptized and everything. But the U.S. bishops made adaptations to the program um, back when it was written to include those who are baptized in, say, Methodist or Baptist or Lutheran. Or, um, okay. And so the people in those backgrounds, with those backgrounds, who are already baptized but not Catholic— are incorporated into the program as well. And then in some parishes, at least we do at the cathedral, um, we also 
have Catholics who were never confirmed, or maybe they never received their first communion. Um, they were never catechized, and so we don't really have another class to put them in. So we do have them come in the RCI as well. They obviously don't go through some of the rites that the unbaptized would. Um, sure. Can you, Mary, but, yeah. speak into um, just a little bit about those like categories that are within an RCIA class? You know, you talked about you know those who are baptized, but you know maybe weren't confirmed fully, like you know aren't fully initiated into the church or. Those who aren't baptized, you know, there are like, you know, different categories yeah. of people. <laughs> Could you just like are, speak yeah. into that a little bit? And so, well, first of all, when we, when somebody contacts us, we, we, we meet with them individually because we have to find out like, are you baptized Catholic? Some are, yeah. um, they don't, they don't know anything about their baptism. And so we have to do some research right. too. To and find it's out all, all pretty much case by case. It too, is. Would you say that? Okay. It is very much. And there's yeah. some investigating that needs to be done. Is it a valid <laughs> baptism? Is it not a valid baptism? Yeah. Um, and sometimes they don't know themselves. And so... But yeah, so it's people who are not baptized, and I would say um, in the last five, six years, we've seen more and more people come forward who were not baptized, mm-hmm. uh, usually younger people, but yeah. And then um, those who were, you know, they're baptized Lutheran or Methodist or Baptist or whatever, sure. who are, are seeking to become Catholic, and so uh, they join us as well. And like I said, then those who were who are Catholic but never confirmed or never baptized or, or I'm yeah. sorry, never um receive their first communion sure. or things like that. So that's generally the makeup of most RCI classes. Some uh, will maybe have more staff. They can separate them out and have a class just for the unbaptized and okay. stuff like sure. that. Yeah. But mostly we're, we kind of all do it the same because everybody kind of needs the same instruction. Yeah. Um, do, you do, RC, do you do RCIC too? At our parish, yes. So um, we have our DRE, at our parish, our DRE actually takes the catechesis part with the kids um, and then we incorporate them into the different rites when it, it suits for them and, and their age group and things like that. So. Right, and that would just change the acronym for RCIA for adults to RCIC for yeah, children, and that's, right? Is that <laughs> well, it, technically speaking, it's RCIA for adults is the rights, and we just uh-huh. adapt things for children. Oh, and so somebody so came up with that acronym. Like, it's not an official. It's program. not. No, it's not. Official <laughs> it's not approved program. by the United States. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. They Before just I, wrote the, good, good to correct yeah. me on that, so I'm not speaking heresy or talking. Yeah. But it's it's common language, so I, it's yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so before I start taking notes on all these technicalities, yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to say, like, it sounds like such a beautiful journey. Uh, you know, like the people that you are serving are the ones that, um, you know, have a hunger for the Lord. Um, and, and I bet it, there's different levels of uh, of awareness of that hunger. You know, yes. I'm sure some people uh, show up just. Um, you know, prodded or probed by, you know, a lot of different things. But uh, could you tell us just a little bit more about about that um, that journey or like the transformation you, you um, I'm sure, have witnessed over the years? Uh, yes. Um, oh, it's so interesting. The stories that people come with when they first come to meet with us, some are, are have read their way into the church. I've had quite a few of those that they've they started studying the church fathers and, and like bought all the books out at the Catholic bookstore. And by the time they get to us, they're just like, I want to become Catholic tomorrow. (laughs) I am ready. And we have to say, no, there's still a formation period here, you know? Um, And then, then we've got others who are like, um, I'm, I'm dating this guy. He's Catholic. I have no Mm -hmm. intention of becoming Catholic, but I want to just learn, you know, what it's about. And then usually halfway through, they're like, I am so on with this. I'm becoming Catholic. And, um, but we've had others that, are, you know, I, I'm, I, so I had one guy in class for three years before he became Catholic. Oh, he just wow. wasn't quite ready. So, um, and now he's like this great, you know, mm. faithful Catholic. Mm. So everybody's kind of got their different story of 
and, and how comfortable they are, are with it. So that's why it needs to be a process. Sure. It needs to be at least nine months um, or even more because it takes a while. Even for those who are gung-ho, sometimes they're gung-ho, but they, they just they need that foundation yeah. for it to stick, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think and it's, it's interesting because Laura and I actually had a, a friend who we met a couple of years ago. Um, he was a year older than us, but he had come into the church, and that, like, that's when we met him was right before he was about to come into the church. And so we were asking him kind of about you know, his journey into the faith, and he was you know, a 26-year-old kid who um, came into the church on his own, which I don't think is always like super common. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were just asking him, and he said, yeah, I was um, just curious about like, what different denominations believed. Like, so I started like Googling, like, what do Methodists believe? What do Presbyterians believe? What do Catholics believe? And he just went down this whole rabbit hole of Catholic media and Bishop Barron videos and articles and, mm-hmm. and it brought him into the church. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like, and for him to come in on his own and not know anybody really kind of like to sponsor him in the church and, and being so like unfamiliar um, but, you know, like through the grace of God came into the church and then actually um, his mom was in the RCA program at the same parish the following year. Yeah. So it's just cool to, yeah. Yeah, and it's just beautiful yeah. to see like how one can lead many yeah. others. <laughs> and, and, and Mary, I just, I loved what you said earlier about how like, like there's those people who just like soak in the, the truth and seeking the knowledge side of things and, and just like shedding light on the, tra- the transcend, uh, transcendentals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like people are drawn to, to our faith, you know, whether it be from truth, beauty and goodness. And, and I think like this friend of ours, mom just saw like the transformation in her son's goodness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and something changed that. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, field to work in um, with with RCIA and, yeah. and people's formation. And I was going to say, at our parish, we also take care of the Newman Center, so we, I, we okay. do get a lot of uh, college students. But I would oh, say the sure. most common are young men around twenty six or really? younger. Yes, wow. in our class. In fact, we wow. had one two and a half years ago who's just entered the seminary this year. Kind of surprised mm-hmm. me. So wow. <laughs> it was like, wow, wow. I can't see that coming. Well, maybe so, I'm wrong about those statistics. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> we do take care of, of uh, the Newman Center, so we do get, you know, sure. um, college kids. But yeah, most of our classes, young, a lot of young men. Sure. So, so, so it sounds like, like, um, g- like general people um, just walking in and off the street who wants to learn more about the Catholic faith or those who, you know, were cradle Catholics that um, want to learn more of what they have been practicing. Um, all, either way can, in, can partake in, in RCIA. Well, for, I should say this. So for some programs and ours in particular, um, we don't open it up to anybody. Okay. So um, because Catholics ask different questions, those who've already been catechized and full, maybe they just want more of an adult ed or whatever. Um, but I, it would be too full and we need to really just pay attention or kind of, because we journey with those people that are in the class. So, sure. so I know some parishes open it up to anybody. Um, we don't. So okay. it, it's a give or take at each parish. Sure. Yeah. And if, if if it was the right place for them, um, how how do they get like how would someone get involved with RCIA in the parish or diocese? Who should they contact? You mean if somebody wants to enter or they want to help with RCIA? Um, enter. Enter. Usually they walk into the Catholic Church and they go, "Wow, this is what I want," and they go find a <laughs> priest and then he gives them the information or they call. I've gotten emails. Some. Um, a lot of them already recognize what RCI is. They Google it okay. and find out like, oh, there's this thing called RCI I'm supposed to ask for when I call the parish. So sure. um, it's all different ways. 
Yeah. Catholic radio. I've had some tell me they've listened to Catholic radio and that kind of brought them in. So, yeah, which this is working. Yeah, it works. (laughs) This is working. Um, We're going to have to take a break quick here, Mary, but we'll be back. Um, We're with Mary Hanbury um, from the Diocese of Fargo um, on Real Presence Live, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Does someone who takes their own life automatically go to hell? I'm Father Chris Alar. In 1993, my grandmother took her life, and for years I carried this burden because she committed a grave sin and had no time to repent. But the Church states that certain mental conditions may reduce the responsibility of one who takes their own life. You are only eternally lost if you die in an unrepentant state of mortal sin. And for a sin to be mortal, three conditions must be present. And one of those conditions is complete free will. I don't believe many people freely want to take their life, so there is hope for their salvation. To learn more, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. For me, it was just a question of, Okay, put aside all of your preconceptions, your Protestant judgments, and and come to it with an open mind. And once I did that, I started to recognize there was a whole bunch of scripture, as, as a Protestant scripture was the bellwether for everything, that I had never looked at the way the Catholics did. In fact, I think there were scriptures that I had felt like I'd never even seen before. I'm like, What? Where did that come from? And uh, so then as, as the fog was lifted, I think the biggest thing that happened for both of us is that we recognized we no longer had to have all of the answers. There was a magisterium in place, and I can spend my entire life living contentedly in the Catholic faith and never stop learning and never have to have all the answers because mm-hmm. the church has them. And if I have a question, I can find it out. The Catholic faith brought us complete peace. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. We are here on Real Presence Live from Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, I'm Jordan Miller with my co-host, Laura Hawk, um, broadcasting out of the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Um, and we are still on here with um, Mary Hanbury from the uh, Diocese of Fargo. And Mary is the Director of Catechesis for the Diocese. And we are just um, going to continue talking about our conversation with RCIA, um, the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. Um, so we talked a little bit about that before the break. Um, and Mary, we just want to continue that conversation with you about um, about what RCIA looks like in your diocese. And maybe just right now touch on the the history of how RCIA kind of began. Sure. Okay, so you have to go back to the early church here. So back when the disciples were walking around, <laughs> there were no Christians. It was just them. So there had to be some sort of process. They realized that it was more than just 
baptizing somebody because they had to learn who Jesus Christ was. And in this, in the beginning, the, the church is forming. So they have to learn what is the church. There's all kinds of things to learn. And so in the early church, they had this process called the catechumenal process. And they had these okay. words for different stages that a person would go through before they were baptized into the church. In fact, back then they couldn't, a person who was not baptized could not enter the the church. They like could only physically, go, physically, right? Yeah. They could only go part way. And that's why in our our church architecture, they have this area called the vestibule in the back that kind of comes from the, that time period where there was a section for the catechumens. It was, they had their own section in the back because they were, they were not baptized members of the church. They could not enter the church. And so a lot of our rites today, kind of like the, there's one called the rite of acceptance that starts at the back of the church because then they're accepted yes. into the body. So okay, back, Mary, yep. can I just tell you a super fun fact yeah. with our, our cathedral here? I don't know if you visited Rapid City, but it's actually in the back of the church in the Northex is where our baptismal yes. font is. And that's where that it's very supposed reason. to be. That's yeah. traditional. Yeah. So right. I just, the church architect, there's a lot of um, reasons behind things. And there is. that's a fun fact. There is. So, so they uh, have the right of initiation now. I'm sorry. And there's a lot to, to learn yeah. about the layout of your cathedral. Yeah. There, is. There's, your there is a reason for I could do a whole <laughs> yeah. other show on just that oh, aspect. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. fact, sure. in Europe, the baptismal places were a separate building. They weren't oh. even in the church. And so you were baptized, and then you had that privilege of coming into the church. But anyway, um, so <laughs> sorry. back then, they, uh, they had this whole process, and then they were baptized and received into the church and all that. And after a while, everybody's now a baptized Christian. You were baptized as a baby. Mm. Until we get to the Reformation back, basically, as you know, 1500s is when people started walking away from the Catholic Church, and they're, they're now Protestants. And so we go through centuries of people who are not baptized Catholics, so they, but they're baptized. It's a baptism that, baptism that the Catholic Church recognizes. So sure. how, what, how do, what if they want to become Catholic? Like St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, she was Episcopalian. She wanted to become a Catholic. Mm-hmm. So now what do we do? And so they thought, okay, well, she has a, like, we'll just use St. Elizabeth as an example. She has a, a Christian understanding. I mean, it's, she has all the basic foundations there. And so what would happen is the person would meet one-on-one with the priest, or maybe there was somebody else there too, but it would just be group discussions of like, okay, they have to understand Mary, the Pope, the Eucharist, you know, the basic things that they would need to understand to become a Catholic. And then that's all it took. And then at a time when they were ready, they would go, I think they would go kneel in front of the priest and have to renounce a couple of things and then accept a couple of things. And they were received into the Catholic church and confirmed. Um, So that's what happened for many, many years. When people wanted to become Catholic and you had to, if you were going to have a if you were going to marry a Catholic, there were a lot of rules. Then uh, Vatican II came along, or the Second Vatican Council, and in the 1960s, and the bishops looked and said, you know what, we, we have a lot more people who are not baptized anymore. They're not even getting baptism. Mm. And we need to relook at how we do this process. So they said, let's go back and look at what we did in the early church, um, because that's when we had all the people who were not baptized around. And let's take that that process and adopt it for modern man. And that's where we get our current RCIA structure from or how the way we do things or the different rights that um, are in that process. So it is an an ancient process. It's just this sort of like redid for for today's society that makes sense to us. That, yeah, and that's very interesting. And um, from my understanding, I haven't um, helped directly with RCIA 
A ever. Um, but it sounds like those those key points that even the early church um, saw a need to catechize on are, are still the the same things taught to our, our modern day um, people going through yeah. RCA. Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, I, mm, I've i helped a little bit with RCA before, but, you know, you know, in a parish, there's so many, in a diocese, there's so many ministries mm-hmm. going on, and yeah. there's, you know, like, everyone's, like, balancing plates, and, you know, like, Truly. I don't know, there's, it's a circus <laughs> sometimes yeah, in it the is. parish life, and, and I, I do, I would say that I think RCIA is kind of, uh, I don't want to say it's, like, not that any ministry is underrated, but I, I don't think it gets all the credit it deserves because it is a lot of work and it's a huge gift to be able to to watch, to see someone through from start to finish of the whole program. Um, mm-hmm. I had sponsored someone who just came into the church who was not confirmed. Um, but so with her, but then with the rest of the class, you know, there is like a great like bond and fellowship, mm-hmm. and, fellowship yes. and being able yes. to grow with, you know, however other many people are in the class, but it is, it is just uh, beautiful to watch someone's experience from start to finish and mm-hmm. just to see how much they grow and sure. what they learn. And um, yeah. And, you know, I think, yeah, some of, I think our best practicing Catholics in our parishes are born out of our CIA. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and Jordan's que- or, um, comment posed a question in my head, um, Mary, like, uh, what do you see between the relationship of those um, going through RCIA and, and their sponsors? I know they don't, um, some, sometimes they know them and they're the people who got mm-hmm. them in the door to begin with. And other times it, they're looking for a sponsor. Like they, they need the church's help to connect right. a relationship. But, right. um, but aside from that side of things, as, um, as time grows through the process, what, what do you see between that fellowship of, of the two people? Well, it, it's interesting. Like you said, some people have chosen their own sponsors. We had a, a young man, not last year, the year before. Uh, he was a freshman okay. in college. He was on campus for like two days. He was from uh, Minneapolis mm-hmm. and was contacting me about RCI. He's like, I'm finally, I want to do this. And oh. uh, his grandmother was, his grandparents were Catholic and they had such an influence on him growing up that he, he was like, I want my grandma to be my sponsor because mm. she was my model mm. of, of me wanting to do this. Um, and other people I've seen, you know, we, we've actually matched people up and they're, they have great friendships today and that's beautiful to see too. That sponsor is such a, a critical role because we can't address every question that comes up seven days a week. You know, we sure, see them once yeah. a week and then we see them on Sundays and, and Brad and I are, are, you know, they're mentors in that respect. And, but they, they need somebody else who's, who's practicing the faith. Now a sponsor has to be you know, Canon Law says 16-year-old, has to be over 16 uh, or 16 years or older, confirm themselves uh, in a good state in the church so mm-hmm. they can't have any annulment issues or things like that. I'm practicing their faith, basically. So they need to be a mentor themselves um, going forward because there's going to be things that come up after the RCIA, especially, that they're like, wait a minute, was this covered? Did I miss this class? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, what would you say that someone, you know, some new person who's just contacted you or, you know, their local parish, what do you think um, they could expect, you know, the first few weeks of RCIA? And, well, in the um, beginning, we have what's called an inquiry period. So mm-hmm. um, they call us. Usually there's some kind of meetings. So we have to find out some background. Are you baptized or have you had any previous marriages and all mm-hmm. kinds of different things like that? Uh, and then we kind of lay out like well, what's going to happen to you during this process. So it's it's more than classes. So generally, there's always going to be 
classes of some sort. You have to learn about the faith. Sure. There's catechesis. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the different rites that take place during the year. So, for example, somebody who's not baptized. If you've ever gone to a baby's baptism in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. there's all these steps that happen before the water is poured, before he says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's the name, there's the, who, what name do you give your child? What are you asking for in God's yeah. church? The parents respond. And then there's a minor exorcism that's done on the baby. There's uh, the oil of catechumen is anointed before they even get to the water being poured. So all, all of that whole rite of the baptism is stretched out the whole year for an mm. adult. So that's why we, you know, come fall, we do ours just after Thanksgiving. We have what's called the rite of acceptance. That's mm-hmm. the first part of the baptismal rite for that person. Because once we get to the, and then there's something called the scrutinies. I don't know if people have ever seen these. They're minor exorcisms that happen during Lent. It's right. when the priest prays over, he strength, prays of strength, prayer of strength over the person before they're entering into the, the last yeah. week of Easter. Now, yeah, and Mary, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I, yeah, you kind of see these things time and time yeah, again through different do. masses, and I'm trying to piece it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but is the scrutiny when, like, the sponsor um, um, does, like, the sign of cross over, like, the... The, the nope. different area. No, that's, okay. That's Dang the right of yeah. That's the first Dang one. That's it. called the right of acceptance. Okay. okay. So that part where it's called the signing of the senses. That yes. part is not in the in the same as the baby's baptism. If you go there, it's okay. it's it's optional. But most of our parishes do do that because it, it really kind of highlights the sponsor's role of I'm walking yeah. with you. It's beautiful. Yeah. You put your mm. cross on the forehead and the eyes. Hands. And the, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so back on the one you were talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry no, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. So I know everybody's in the mass. are like, okay, we have this RCI thing, and we don't know what it is. But yeah. it's it's for those who are not baptized. It's that right stretched out. You're just watching their baptism taking place in short increments. Okay. So that when the Easter vigil comes, we have the second part of baptism, which is the we have the litany of the saints, and then the the uh, the creed, and then the the pouring of the water, and the baptism actually happens. So. Now, at any point, can a person change their mind before Easter? Yes, of course. Um, usually they don't. Usually they get to that point and they're ready. Um, and here's another thing. If a, if a person who is not baptized dies while they're in this process, they can still have what's called a massive Christian burial because they are officially a catechumen. And mm-hmm. the church prays for catechumens. The Pope prays for catechumens all year, too, so... Oh, there's okay. even a new status in the church if you are uh, sure. not baptized. So. Sure. Oh, Mary. Well, it sounds like we could talk about <laughs> yeah, this no, no. for like, a long time. Uh, but uh, our time is running short. So I just want to thank you for coming, um, for joining us and, and sharing um, your expertise on RCIA and, and really um, all of the good that um, comes of it. It is certainly something for the whole church yeah. to celebrate. It is. It is. And the whole church to pray for our people, our yes. candidates. Our candidates are those who are baptized and the catechumens are those who are not Typically, most of our programs start with the school year. It doesn't sure. have to. It could be all year. But um, certainly to pray for those people and encourage them. If they're, if they're searching, you don't have to sign on the dotted line when you yeah. come in that door the first day. You can right. change your mind at any time. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, yeah Mary, well, you are a wealth of knowledge. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So just um, as people, um, yeah, now they know who to contact if anybody in your mm-hmm. area, in your diocese is. You know, looking to enter into yep. the church, you Call sound like you know your church. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, so God bless you, Mary, and, you. and good yes. luck with your ministry. Thank you very much. God yeah. bless you too. Yes. Thank Up you. next, uh, she loved going to mass, but she wasn't Catholic. Um, tune in to hear about how Maddie Bratton found the Catholic Church. That's next here on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.